Hey everybody. So, we had some unavoidable technical issues with the audio for the Finding Nemo episode, so that episode is going to be up next week. This week, of course, we're putting out Exploring the Reef with Jean-Michel Cousteau, which we recorded after we recorded the Finding Nemo episode, in case there are any weird things we talk about talking about that we haven't talked about yet. And the episode that we plug at the end of this episode is actually the episode that's going to be coming up two episodes from now. Enjoy! Bonjour. Good day. What'd you do today? Uh, well, it was Halloween. So, and fun fact, my only movie I'll be watching today is a little movie about a, it's a documentary about fish. It's a nice little short film. But we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, it was Halloween today. Ooh. What'd you dress up as? Luigi. But I only did it because I work. I actually have a topic of conversation. If you want oh, me to talk. okay. Yeah, Although I mean, I can the... talk about Morocco. Maybe we can talk about we Morocco also... too, but I'm going to do something Mark hates, and that's mention of a podcast on this show. But that's because I went to a live recording of a podcast yesterday. Of, um, well, that's fun. Uh, how did this get made? Which, well, let me tell you a story about a coworker. I'm really into how did this get made. Is that last... Th- did I tell you the story over text? I forget. I don't think I did. No, I didn't actually know you were going to this show until you sent me the picture. Okay, so what I did was, is this is before the How Did This Get Made show. This is a completely separate story that bleeds into How Did This Get Made. Last Thursday, previous guest of the podcast, Sarah Kanoff, came and visited me, and we went to go see Malignant at the Music Box. The crowd that was cheering the entire time, it was a great time because Malignant rules. <laughs> Malignant is a good movie. Um... Then afterwards, the next day, I noticed at work, well, I won't, I won't give exactly what cued it, because normally I know not to bring up, like, my weird, like, my weird movies to my coworkers, but something came up where I was like, to a coworker, a new coworker, I know I'm being so specific, but anyway, that I went to go see Malignant the previous night, and she goes, oh, Malignant, didn't they do a How Did This Get Made episode on that? And I'm like, yeah, they did. <laughs> Not a good episode, but they did. They certainly did an episode um, malignant because How Did This Get Made is, uh, I love them as a comedy show, but sometimes their opinions are not good when they cover a good movie. Uh, and by that, I mean, they kind of like go into like a movie like Malignant and go like, oh yeah, this is objectively really bad. Like, what were they thinking? When I feel like a movie like Malignant, if you like are willing to actually well, not even put the effort into it, but acknowledge that there are old types of horror movies. It's pretty evidently a campy homage to, like, you know, 90s video store horror. Like, it it wears that inspiration on its tint, like, on the front of it. And James Wan also, like, gave interviews leading up to it, like, saying, like, yeah, this is what this is. You know, like, it's not shy about what it is. But anyway, so my coworker's like, yeah, that was in the How Did This Get Made? They did How Did This Made episode. I'm like, oh, I don't really like that episode because they all hated it. And the reason, okay, here's, you're allowed to hate Malignant. Like, I'm not saying Malignant is a movie that everyone has to love. I'm saying it's a movie people shouldn't just dismiss. That's that's the key difference here. Because the thing that bothers me about the Malignant episode of How Did This Get Made is because Counterpoint from last year is they have an episode about old where they go in all willing to hate it, but one of them's like, no, it's actually, like, seriously messed with my head. Like, it's actually a really good horror movie. So, like, I was hoping from that from the Malignant, but I didn't get it. But all this to say, go back to my coworker, 
is like, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really like their episode on it. Um, it's not like they don't really give it a fair shake, I feel like. And, you know, it's it's a movie that's trying to be what they're complaining it is. You can't say a movie's bad for being campy when it's trying to be campy. And then my coworker goes, well, yeah, but you also can't just say you were trying to make a movie bad when you make a bad movie. I'm like, but it's not a bad movie. And then it was like, she was like, I don't know, I didn't see it, but I'm not going to because they said it was bad. I'm like, but it's not a review show, it's a comedy show. All this to say is that when I go to the How Does This Get Made show, which after this conversation, I kind of regret buying tickets to because I'm like, oh, I, don't like, I don't like what this stands for in regards to malignant. Didn't you go to it, though? No, I, I didn't. I already, I, I already bought the tickets, so I wasn't yeah, going to... Oh, I thought you went to the show already. No, this was this was Thursday. This is Friday. I went to the show on Sunday. Thursday is when I saw Malignant. This was the day after I saw Malignant. I was talking at work about what I did the previous day. But you've already been to the live recording of How Did This Yes, get I'm getting to it. It's literally the next part of the story. Okay, I didn't know if you were talking. You, you were giving, you are doing like an aside thing, but I wasn't no, sure no, if you were in the presence. No, no, it's build up. It's build up to the, the actual oh, okay, story. Yeah, okay. This is all needed build up to the story of the How Did This Get Made show. Okay. So, they go to the How Did This Get Made show. It's pretty funny. They cover Morbius. I, w- I was told by Jason and Paul not to say anything because it's a secret between us and whatever they want to know will be in the recording. I presume this is just a bit they do at every one of their live shows. <laughs> but anyway, um, but what does happen at one point is they're like, we're going to go to the bathroom. Well, Jason's like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then Paul's like, do you know who I'm talking about? With this? Do I need to give their full names? No, I okay. don't know anything about the show. Oh, I mean, well, I know it's Jason the name Manzoukas. Of the show, but I don't know anything Jason about Manzoukas, it. Jason Manzoukas, Paul Sheeran, June Diane, Raphael, I think. But I presume you know who Jason Manzoukas is. That's, that's a, I do. I saw him live. I did, too. This over to, yeah. had his, his podcast recording. <laughs> I did, too, yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, anyway, Jason's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. So, Paul's like, all right, well, here's a... We're gonna play a clip of one of our best... Uh, one of our... Like, a show we did recently... And you guys can pick, like, by applause meter, what we're going to just all, like, collectively laugh at right now. And on the board is Malignant. And I'm me like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm not prepared to be in this crowd of people who hate Malignant. And then Malignant gets second place. I'm just, like, I'm literally, like, I'm, I, like, tense up so much when Malignant's doing so well. Because I'm, like, I, I just, like... I'm sorry. I'm tired of defending movies that I like. <laughs> and I don't want to be in the crowd doing people laughing at Malignant because they think it's a bad movie. Because everyone there who just watches How Does It Get Made thinks Malignant's just a bad movie. Because they just kind of... I presume most people who like How Does This Get Made, because they were did not look like film film broke people or like film people like I am. Um, they looked more like, you know, like the general audience is like, oh yeah, this is a comedy show about bad movies. Which is fair. Like, you know, good. For, I like them too. Like, I think they're funny. My issue is I just didn't want to be a crowd of people laughing at Milgram, but it's okay, because they all voted for just a montage of J- Jean-Claude Van Damme's butt. So, we were okay. Fun. Yeah. So, how did you make the journey from hearing the malignant take from your friend, co-worker, to getting the ticket to the live show? I had the ticket already. I was saying, if I didn't, oh, I had okay. a ticket, like, earlier this week. I was waiting on my brother, actually, because my brother said he might watch Morbius beforehand and go with me, but they ended up not watching it in time. So. so you've seen Morbius. Do you recommend it? <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, okay. I do think it's funny. They, the one thing I will say about the show is that they're bragging on social media. This was their longest show yet. And they said that to us, too. And um, 
Yes, the show was three hours long, but 40 minutes of it was them interviewing every single person in the audience who dressed up for Halloween. So it was not like, it was about 40 minutes of it where I just kind of was like, all right, can we, can we please get back to like what the show is? Like, but yeah. Yeah, I read your review of Morbius. I'm very disappointed that there is not more good in it because I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say, spoil your review for people if you want people to go on your letterbox. I don't care. But I'm actually really happy with Letterbox right now, but I'll I'll tell you why after I tell you this one story about Morbius there, which is I hate to be like this thing where it's like the funniest part of the show is when they just showed a clip because the funniest part of the show to me was like we have this clip that you might not have seen and I hadn't seen of House of the Dragon. Um, it's like a press junket. And it goes up, and it's Matt Smith with Patty Considine going. <laughs> Matt Smith's just like the interview is like. So, uh, what do you think about it's Morbin time? And Patty's like, "What is that?" And Matt Smith just looks so embarrassed, like, "Oh, it's a movie I did." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, really? What was it about?" And you, you can just see the light go out of Matt Smith's eyes <laughs> when Patty just starts asking him about Morbius. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, the other funny thing... Can I look that up? I might tab that up for later. Yeah, I think it was from one look... I think it was at Comic-Con. I think it was... Because I remember at Comic-Con, someone asked Matt Smith if it was Morbin time, and he just immediately was like, no. (laughs) Just moved right on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will also... The other embarrassing moment of the the, the thing, even though I think it wasn't really embarrassing... I don't think... No one called me out on it, so it wasn't too embarrassing... But, you know, like, people always cheer at at stuff at this these type of shows. And, like, you know, like, they'll say, like, oh, it's this movie, and then people will cheer that movie. Or, like, it's this character actor from this movie, you know, and they'll cheer. And the and Jason Manzoukas goes, I keep referring to Morbius' love interest as Bix from Andor. And let me tell you, Andor's really good. So I just started cheering. I was the only person in the entire theater cheering for Andor. But Andor's good, y'all, and you should check it out. <laughs> Did they acknowledge that no, you were the only person not. cheering? I'm glad they didn't. I was like, why are more people cheering for this? Andor rules. But I guess the... As is I Andor s- the name of a planet or a person? Andor... Andor is the planet. Andor is Diego Luna's character, Cassian Andor. So it's both? No. Andor is the character in the name of the show. Endor is the planet that is in Return of the Jedi. Are, <laughs> All right. Also, the only thing I, I was going to say, I don't want to, I don't want to be a hater. Only thing I was going to right say, off the bat, the only thing I, I was going to say about Letterbox, which should transition to you, is that knock on wood, I might be finally having a movie overtake my Batman review as my most liked review of the year, which is thankful because I don't really like my Batman review being my most liked review of the year. It's too positive, um, and I don't know if I told you this before or not, but it looks like Wendell and Wild is going to overtake it. And I'm like, good. Wendell and Wild is better cool. than Batman. Did you finish Wonder Woman Wild? No. <laughs> it's Halloween! Yeah, I watched Morocco. <laughs> Why'd you do I... that and not finish Wonder Woman Wild? Because I had an itch to scratch and I just, I felt like I needed to watch something that would like make my life better. Well, you could have listened to our Stuff versus... Club podcast where we explicitly say, eh, this movie's not that great. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I was really amazed. But I also think, having watched it, it's not that great and I feel weird about people liking it, but I also think that it's something that I actually think that you should watch it despite it not being great. I already saw like, it. I, do, I think it's one podcast. of those movies. Yeah, I know that you've already oh, seen it. Oh, you're saying you as in the general one you. Of, you're saying yeah, you. Yeah, okay. the general you. I think that like, even even though Morocco is not 
I don't want to say it's not a good movie because I think people like really do like Morocco, but it is something that you should know exists and you should watch it for, I don't know, to get things out of it. I'm really baffled by how much I think Morocco sucked. But well, I mean, we none of us liked it on our podcast. I think I gave it the nicest review at three out of five. Where I'm like, I guess I can appreciate this historically, but it's kind of blah. Yeah. I like the Marlon yeah, Dietrich dance scene. Someone, this isn't even the one with the Marlon Dietrich dance scene. This is, I'm really, I'm baffled by that too because it's such of it's. It's not the one where she dresses up as a monkey. That's another film. I was disappointed that this was not that film, but she just kind of walks around and then she kisses a woman while dressed as a man. And that's kind of all you need to know about Morocco is that it exists. I mean, I don't think um, it's good. Sucks. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It's like the movie is like, it's almost like they're saying the lines from another movie in the scene. Like, they're quoting Morocco while doing the movie Morocco. It's just, like, the like in no scenes do any characters, like, interact with each other. And it's, like, there are such long pauses during everything. I'm just, I it's don't know. It's old. I, Give it some credit. It's, not, it's no, old. I can't even engage with it in that jokey way. I have to know why people talk about Morocco. It's like the M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old. Is Old slow and weird? Have you not seen Old? No. Dude, that's your Halloween movie. Old is great. I don't know. I didn't didn't finish The Sixth Sense. I don't... uh. Who cares? Old is good. And I think from what I've seen of Signs, it doesn't look The end of Old is not good. Like, the last ten minutes isn't good. But... I know how it ends. Up until those ten minutes, it's really great. The last thing I watched all the way through was Barbarian. What'd and I think? didn't even watch Morocco all at once. I Although just I guess we shouldn't. I guess we shouldn't really like. I feel like Barbarian is like the rare type of movie where I'd want to talk around what happens in it because I do think it's a good movie to go in blind. But what did you think of Barbarian? I liked it. The only reason I saw it is because I read the synopsis. But I mean, that's me. I don't. Maybe. I'm. I'm kind of annoyed by things wasting my time lately. Like I feel like. That's 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 a really broad thing to say. I don't know. I just watch a lot of I've been watching a lot of movies lately where it just feels unnecessary to watch them all the way through. Okay, is like, that why you're not finishing Wendell Wild? Ah, uh, it's it's we already talked about like why it's not great. It is on great, last week's episode. And we were, I remember saying, "Well, I'll talk to you more when you finish it." I feel very, oh. very attacked by you not finishing. No, <laughs> I don't care. It's if people like it, that's fine. I just, it. I'm not really. I'm not really getting anything out of it. So I don't know if I'll finish it. But Barbarian, I was. It's not like Barbarian changed my life, but it's paced in such a way where I, I watched it all in one go, and that really was is what I want lately. So. I'll say that for Barbarian, if you like horror movies and all of that. And I I guess we shouldn't really talk about what happens in Barbarian. But Barbarian, I'll just say, is like, it's all I want for something. If it just wants to be a fun horror movie, that's all it is. And it is a fine example of that. And it's just fun. That's all. Nice. All right. 
Should we? Shall we, we do some games? Yeah, uh, I'm going first. It's the letterbox game. It's letterbox has a feature that has it so tells you the most algorithmically related films to the film you just watched. This game is I take three. There's three rounds. There's three films. Uh, Mark has to guess what film it is. I'll give him five films first. Uh, after two guesses, he gets the year, and then he gets two more additional films per guess, and then he loses. Mark, before the podcast, randomly picked three numbers, and then I have now ordered those numbers from most popular to least popular, according to Letterboxd, so we will start with the most popular and with the least popular, so it will get presumably harder as we go on. All right? Presumably. Yeah, we'll I see. I like that little effect, but <laughs> yeah, it is presumably. All right, are you ready? Yes. All right. Your five films are, for your round one, is Monster House, The Polar Express, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Note that I said Charlie, not Willie. This is the Tim Burton one. Spirited Away, and The Secret of Nim. Is that how you say it? Nim? Nymph? I don't know. I've, I've never seen it. I think it's Nim. Mm. Is it Wendell and Wild? No, it is not Wendell and Wild. Is it... Oh, now I'm forgetting if you already mentioned this creator, but it doesn't matter. Um, was it Hocus Pocus 2? No, and for the record, neither Hocus Pocus 2 or Wendell and Wild are in the top 25. So the year the film came out is 2009. Is it the film 9 directed by Tim Burton? Oh, one that movie is not directed by Tim Burton. It's directed by... Um, I think Timur Bekamatov. Oh, is that another one where it's not actually Tim Burton? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And it's not nine, and nine is not in the top 25. Uh, So now you get the next film. The next film you get is Kubo and the Two Strings. This might not even be a horror animation. This might just be something out in the world. Remember that this is the most popular of the three you're going to (laughs) get. Yeah. So... 2009 Coraline? It is Coraline. Wahoo! Okay. The last film you would have got is My Neighbor Totoro. Coraline is good. Not as good as Wonder Woman Wild. Alright, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Alright. Wow, we're we're so much more like, alright, let's go. There's no guests here for us to joke around with. Let's let's go! Well, no, I mean, I don't... I wanted to... I thought about that. I was like, oh, another nice thing with us. And then I, we just kind of complained about movies for 10 minutes. And now <laughs> well, I, I feel confident in the letterbox game. <laughs> All right. So what's, some, what's some good vibes? Hold on. Okay, give me the next one. I'll try to inject some round good vibes two. into this version, this Run. round of the letterbox okay, game. Okay, round two. Black Panther. 300. Great. I love Black Panther. 300. Cool. Gladiator. Oh, uh, Yeah. Mongol, the rise of Kangas Khan. I don't the rise know. of who? <laughs> Kangas Khan. Okay, great. This is a Russian film by Sergei Bodrov. Mm. Anyway. I don't know either of them. Is there one more? Yeah, there is. I was just looking. Oh, this guy ended up directing. Do you remember the Jeff um, Bridges bomb, Seventh Son, with Julianne Moore? Well, I don't it's, remember It's a January that. movie. Um, he's also a two-time Oscar nominee for screenwriting. Oh, and the last film is Lincoln. Hmm. Okay. A biopic, except for Black Panther. <laughs> that's is, such a that's is kind of an outlier. A bio, is three hundred a biopic? Well, I should say like historical epic. I guess I 
bi- biopic is a mis misstatement, but it should be some kind of historical epic, and the and Black Panther is on there. Um, was it Av? Well, it can't be. I'm sure that Coraline is not more popular than Avatar. We also so already did Avatar. Avatar on this show, and we don't do any repeats. Mm, I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's like a dream that I had or something like that. Okay. Did you watch uh, the New World, the Terrence Malick film? No, I did not. And interestingly enough, the New World is not in the top twenty-five. Give me another guess. All right, historical epic, less popular story. than Coraline. It's kind of hard to imagine something that would have like a big budget than that, like that, but then be less popular than um, Coraline. Is it? Darkest Hour. The The Gary Oldman vehicle. No, it is not Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour is not in the top 25. The year this film came out is 2022. Oh, great. (laughs) The Woman King? Yes, this is The Woman King. Which is is why Black Panther's in there. Because it's based off the real-life people who inspired the Dora Milaje. Surprised you haven't revisited Darkest Hour. Uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> all right. You ready for the final round? The hardest yes. round? All right. I am ready. Beverly Hills Cop. Super Troopers. The Other Guys. Game Night. And the Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Bad Boys. It's not Bad Boys. Bad Boys is not in the top twenty-five. Did you did you finally watch p- the Police Story trilogy? Well, you'd have to pick one Police Story movie. You okay, can't just I pick. Well, oh well, this is evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll just pick the first Police Story. No, and Police Story is not in the top twenty-five. This film is from hmm. nineteen eighty-five. I mean, was it Police Story two? No, it is not Police Story two. The next film you get is Starsky and Hutch. I want to say Police Story 3, but I don't. It's not that. Um, it's cop comedy from 1985. Um, lethal Weapon? It is not Lethal Weapon. And it does not look like Lethal Weapon's in the top 25, which kind of surprises me. All right, so I'll give you your final film that I'll recap for listeners at home. Their final film is The Baywatch Movie with The Rock. So, it's a film from 1985. The seven familiar films are Beverly Hills Cop, Super Troopers, The Other Guys, Game Night, The Naked Gum from the Files of Police Squad, Starsky and Hutch, and Baywatch. It's weird that Game Night is there. I don't know. I don't know why Game Night is there either, honestly. Knowing the Mm. movie, I'm kind of used to it too. 1985. We, that was our whole last episode, was us not knowing what happened in 1985 around that time. Or Did anyway. we just hit the wall? Only been with one man. What happened the to The problem him? is if I cut any of this, they'll know. <laughs> that's, that's what, this is like my new, uh, this is the Jeopardy. This is the Jeopardy TikTok version of it. But yeah, I have to get through all of 1985 before you guess. <laughs> That's <laughs> that should be our timer is you singing that song louder and louder but like when we have guests on um was I don't know was it Terminator 
Terminator, original Terminator. No, Terminator is not in the top 25. Now you get a bonus hint. Is that I had to remove one film. Police Story 4. It's not a police story movie. And Mark, I have a question for you before I answer this, which is, do you have Paramount Plus or Showtime? No. Oh, because if you did, I would recommend a new reboot of a classic 80s comedy. And the reboot is titled Confess Fletch. And I watch the original Fletch. Oh, I would not Chevy have Chase. Fletch. I removed the Fletch. Not not the John Hamm one, because that's not on here yet. I removed Fletch Lives. Uh, that's that's well, what I got. That's what I got this week is Fletch, Coraline, and uh, the Woman Kid. Okay. So this week on the Game of Lists, which is a game where I go online and I find a list of movies and then I ask questions about it. I wanted to pick something that was very difficult because oh it's just us now. Great. So I'm going to try to make it a little manageable, but I wanted to pick something that was more out there because it's just the two of us. So I thought about a number of ways to do this. I've kind of nixed a lot of my ideas for Game of Lists prompts. And from somehow, but because of free association, I'm going to ask you about Tilda Swinton's favorite movies. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. I, Why I'm not? To, I, like, I don't remember how I got here or whatever. Oh, well, I know what it was. Originally, I wanted to ask about Guillermo del Toro's favorite movies oh. that he submitted to the Sight and Sound. Guillermo del Toro, thing. don't get me started on him. Well, I mean, I just thought they were too easy. I'm getting annoyed. What? Why? Because everyone's hyping this Pinocchio movie, and I'm just like, you know, Netflix had two better looking animated movies this um, fall, and everyone just wants to push the Pinocchio one because it's got an, uh, you know, a non-animation director behind it. I was more excited for Wendell and Wild, and I'm more excited for My Father's Dragon. You know Wendell and Wild was not on the front page of Netflix when I first yeah, wanted Netflix to get on and watch it that to day. Be arrested. Because you know what's mm-hmm. in front of it? The Guillermo del Toro show. He only wants to... No, I'm kidding. Guillermo del Toro is actually very supportive of animation. I shouldn't go after him like this. <laughs> but Yeah, I'm so I, surprised. I, I, I just like, don't think the Pinocchio movie looks figure. that good. I know it has great reviews, and I know I'll probably see it, but I don't think it looks that good. <laughs> he was too mainstream for our no guest episode, so we're doing Tilda Swinton. Um, this comes from an interview she gave with Far Out magazine two years ago. So, Tilda Swinton's favorite... 11 favorite films of all time. Three of them are by the same director. They are by a Scottish director, and they came out in the 70s. Can you name any of these films, or the director, or the collective title of this trilogy of films? Oh, it's a trilogy. Yes. I have no idea. I'll go with the Michael Apted 7-Up series, even though I don't think those all came out in the same decade. I don't know if you You know, I think that's I think that's a fine guess because <laughs> you've sort of used the prompts that I gave you. But this is a trilogy that I've never heard of. It's the Bill Douglas trilogy. Great, <laughs> Mark. I've never heard of it either. I'm glad. Well, I don't know. I'm glad you blindsided. You're like, oh, I'm definitely going to get Danny in this one. It's an answer I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get you because that today was, as I was like, I watched Morocco today and I had an educational day. And I want to bring that into the podcast. Whatever. So, Bill Douglas made a trilogy of films in the 70s about growing up in Scotland. And they sound really cool. I might find them at some point. They're just called the Bill Douglas Trilogy. It's about a kid 
and they're very poetic. And I think she has a quote about them. The masterpiece that is Bill Douglas's autobiographical trilogy, a proper Scottish cultural treasure. I once heard that Scots politicians took it abroad with them as their diplomatic gift. If that's not true, it's certainly an idea. Great, so. Zelda. We love you, but also... I mean, I'm sure they're great films. I trust I'm her. sorry that you had to get got, but I think it's important that people know about you know, this I should group have said, of films that I've never heard about. Been like, trick. Here you go. <laughs> trick. Well, we'll move from trick to treat, because I think these will get easier. Well, no, they won't, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> she names two films by Yasujiro Ozu in her top 11. What are they? Tokyo Story, Good Morning. The only two Ozu movies I can think of on the top of my head. You know, close. Tokyo Story and I Was Born, But. Oh, I was very close because I Was Born, What is the... It's his Go other kid movie. No, I Was Born, But isn't it silent? I believe I Was Born, What... I think Good Morning is a sound remake of I Was Born, But. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was So there you go. I haven't seen I Was... I have the Criterion of Good Morning, which has I Was Born... On it, I just haven't seen it. Tilda Swinton said, Ozu's brief wee silent masterpiece about childhood, brotherhood, and learning how to negotiate fathers and learn the rules of the game. Nice. Forks. All right, last question. And I do think this will actually be the easiest one. What is the most recent film she included on her list? And is she in it? This is a... Uh, no, but okay, she did collaborate... I believe she collaborated with this director recently. Now go with the World Tenenbaums. Uh, no. Try again. This is a famous indie title. Lost in Translation? No. It is Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past oh. Lives, directed by a pitch at palm. When you said indie, I immediately went, okay, so I'm right. I'm in the, I'm on the right continent. Wes Anderson's and I'm not. not indie <laughs> just because his films are... No, I meant... When you say indie... And I'm like, oh, it's a Wes Anderson movie. I'm really like, okay, so who's another person that, like, American, like, early mumblecore movement, or whatever we want to call the 2000s indie scene? <laughs> not like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely thinking of, like, over. I'm not thinking international at all when I think of Wes Anderson. And you're like, no, you're close, so I'm going to get something else that's not... <laughs> not oh, did not I say a, close? I'm sorry. Yeah, you said close. It's another indie director. So I'm like, okay, who's kind of similar to Wes Anderson? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, that's the game of lists. Some titles for you all. Yay! Great. <laughs> <laughs> you should watch Fletch. No, I'm kidding. I'm, no. <laughs> you should watch Tokyo Story. I should watch Tokyo Story. And I'll Tokyo find Story. the Bill Douglas trilogy. She names... I'll just give you this whole list because it's an interesting one. Have I seen any I was of them? Born we'll but, I was born but Journey to Italy by Roberto Rossellini. La Belle at La Bette by Jean Cocteau, M by Fritz Lang, Medea by Pierpaolo Pasolini. The Bill Douglas trilogy consists of My Childhood, My Ein Folk, and My Way Home, and then Stranger by the Lake, Alain Guiradi. Oh, Isn't which is actually 2013. Yeah, yeah you're that's right. That's more Sorry. recent. I wouldn't have guessed it, but I think that's more I, I know I know when that movie came out. <laughs> yes. And then Tokyo Story and then Uncle Boon Me who can recall his past lives. I've seen a single one until those movies. That she likes. I've seen plenty of Tilda movies. Where's Doctor Strange? You haven't seen M? No. Oh, I like M. Yeah, I think it's better when Judy Dench played it than Riot Fiends. R.I.P. 
Dude, now Judy Dench dies between the time we record this podcast and you put it up. It's going to be really awkward. <laughs> She's not going anywhere. We said that about the queen. You remember what happened? <laughs> it's not because... I don't think we did say that. I, think I don't think we did. I don't, fibs. I don't think we recorded it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have an... Uh, whatever. The listeners don't know what you cut out. Maybe every week I say someone's going to die. Maybe I'm deaf note. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shall we talk about this DVD extra? Yeah, um, I guess I should intro it. Uh, this is I didn't even open the Wikipedia page because I don't think it has a Wikipedia. It might have a page on the Pixar wiki. Um, but this is Exploring the Reef with John Macal. Oh, it does have a Wikipedia page. Jean-Michel uh, Cousteau. Jean-Michel Cousteau. Yeah, which, by the way, when I said last week it was Jacques Cousteau, I did not realize Jacques Cousteau was actually his father. So I was pretty close. This is about Jean-Michel Cousteau trying to make a documentary about the coral reefs. Unfortunately, Dory, Marlin, and Nemo keep interrupting him when he's just trying to show off the animals. It's a whole plot. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Well, let me say I don't think it's good, but I think it's good for what it is. (laughs) That's how I'll put it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not... It is It is what it is. It's just, it's like a nature documentary and then they animate Marlin and Dory and Nemo over the footage the best part talking is when with the narrator. Like, hey, why don't I dance? Even though he literally has never danced at any other form of Finding Nemo media. But he's like, let's have a dance yeah. party. I, I appreciate, I appreciate just the sheer audacity. Like, Our books, why don't you record a couple of stuff for the DVD actually? He's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do something. Like, all right, we want you to say, let's have a dance party. He's like, all right. Like my Albert Brooks impression? Yeah, that was really good. Thanks. I thought he was in the room with us. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> so did this challenge the way you think about, uh, you know, narrative objectivity or anything <laughs> like that? You know, it did get me thinking about... Actually, there is something to seriously talk about here. And then I want to talk about some more goofy stuff that is related to this short. But I think there was one big aspect of Finding Animals Culture Impact that we did not touch on in our last episode. Which is that, to this day, and probably until long long after we are dead, when you go to an aquarium, well, aquarium still exists. When you go to an aquarium, you see a blue tang fish, kids will go, hey, it's Dory. Or if you go look at the clownfish, mm-hmm. they'll be like, it's Nemo. And that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this, when I see Dory swimming alongside the actual blue tanks. Because that's so true, you know, like, kids, like, you know, as someone who works with kids, and I go to the aquarium, I'll be like, and again, again, I do this more of a joke, I'll be like, hey, look, I found Dory, or hey, look, I found Nemo. But also, just as a fact, if you're with a little kid and they're at the aquarium, they run up to the lake, they're like, Dory, Dory, you know, because that's, they don't know the names of these fish. They might know the name of clownfish, but even then they'll go like Nemo because it's, they know who Nemo is more. Yeah, we we didn't talk about the big thing at the bottom of Finding Nemo's Wikipedia article where they say that the film created this great demand for these fish and destroyed the ecosystems, which I was thinking about a lot while watching this short about protecting the natural world. If we can't tagent that way, because there was something I wanted to mention in that episode that was you, very important to my... What? <laughs> Never mind. You just... If we can tagent that way... Well, that's that seemed more like a purposeful bit than a mis- whatever. Go on. Well, 
I did not bring this up in our last episode for Variety Rings 1. We recorded it really late at night. We had a guest, and I did not need to go down that road with them now because it's a long story. But guess what? I knew this was coming up, so I knew it would have a chance to. And Mark has just led me there, which is, I'm sure if you read that part of the Wikipedia page where, you know, everyone bought... No, it's not only the they all wanted the clownfish. What else they did was kids were like, oh my gosh, I need to free my fish. And they'd flush them down the toilet, right? And, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, like, like you know, a lot of people... Came, like several different organizations come out like including like pet owners associations and pixar itself was like do not flush your fish it is fiction in the movie nemo would have actually been grinded up now like you know grinded up in the water treatment plant okay now this is this is this is the tangent part which is that that phrase stuck with me for quite some time to the point where when i was in high school and I was in speech and debate. And there was an event. Did you ever do speech and debate? Or are you aware of speech and debate? You were homeschooled. I'm aware of it. I didn't. What? You were homeschooled. I was homeschooled. <laughs> I'm just flat out lying this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. Mark was homeschooled. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I, I don't. I feel like I was in speech and debate very briefly. But I don't, I don't think I like did any competitions or whatever. So... This is going to be a long tangent. You know what? It's it's an important part of my origin story. It really honestly is. I think this is the origin story of the first time I realized I wasn't all that. This is where like my my confidence was shattered. Um but and don't worry. We'll come back to Nemo. It will it will it will come back to Nemo to. in a big way. Just that when I was in high school, I did speech and debate and so did my brothers. My brothers did debate. I did speech. I really I was kind of pushing the speech. I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, I did. I did the acting one, so I did like duo. I did like drama and humor. I was not good at humor because humor requires you to like pop into different character modes very quickly, and I've just never been able to control my body like that. Um, but I was pretty good at drama. But my goal, my senior, like anyone's goal. In speech and debate is to go to nationals. Now, to me, this was very important because my older brother had gone to nationals in debate. My younger brother had not yet gone to nationals because he was a sophomore that year, but the entire year he was winning every single debate tournament in his like um, competition. So it was like pretty much a done deal that he was going to qualify. So I was like, I cannot have my younger brother qualify. Well, I mean, like, and me not be there, you know, like, I, I have to qualify because if I don't, I'm the only person in my family who's a loser, right? That, that, that was my, my mindset on it. And my big thing that year was drama. Now, pin that. We will go back to my drama in a bit. Now, a couple years prior, actually, I think the year before I came to school, the... Indiana added a new event. They added several new events. One of them was called Original Performance, which is where you wrote your own um, 10-minute short play kind of thing, and you played all the characters in it. I think my first year I wrote this really bad one about someone who was, like, addicted to the internet. But then that was the summer that Magic Mike came out. And the title popped in my head, which was just Grinding Nemo. But about Nemo becoming a stripper. I'm on board. (laughs) Uh, and I always had this long joke 
pitch about grinding the emote because it was obvious. Like I could, even though I thought it was a good, I, I did always think it was like this could be a fun little thing to do. I, I would never do it because uh, Indiana judges are conservative, so I'm pretty sure as soon as you walk up there, it's like the title of my selection is grinding emo, and then you open it and it's just like Chippendale dance. <laughs> no, not Chippendale dancing. Uh, shit, like doing a stripper pole on stage. As soon as you do that, then you're gonna be like, absolutely not, no, no, no. <laughs> But I always had it in the back of my head as like a joke suggestion. Okay. Um. So that year I did an OP uh, about the internet. It sucked. The next year I think I tried again with an OP. Very. I can't remember what I did that year. Um. But that fall. So that was my, my junior year. Okay. My junior year. I kind of expected the qualify for nationals. I was like an alternate. I didn't go. So at the end of the year, they have you do this special, um, this special, uh, your own performance to prep for next year. Okay. That's what it is. It's the idea is you're prepping something for next year. So me and my friend, Justin decided, cause we didn't actually want to do this either. We just thought the whole thing was frustrating. Cause it was like, why? Like we both thought we should have qualified, right? Like we were both like, well, this is dumb. We're here. We're juniors. We shouldn't be stuck here doing this. And we just wanted to make fun. So what we did, and my 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 partner Aaliyah was really good friends with me and Justin, and we all had this idea. And Aaliyah was a senior who was also an alternate in both, so she was more mad than I was. Um, we had this idea that we cut down the Emperor's New Groove into ten a ten minute speech piece, which made everyone in our class laugh, but our teacher who had not seen the movie was just like, "What? <laughs> like, 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 what is going on on the stage?" And obviously, I was Yzma in that um, <laughs> that piece. Mm-hmm. So, back to my senior year. I really want to qualify. My piece is Wonder, which is eventually adapted into the Jacob Tremblay movie, um, where he's the kid with the facial deformity. And I'm not actually doing that great all season. I'm, not, I'm doing pretty bad the whole season. Then, <laughs> we get thrown on... <laughs> An OP. <laughs> Which is, my friend Olivia and I are told, why don't you do something where Danny has a disability and you're his sister. And, like, Olivia's my sister. And you guys, and, like, you guys reconnect after not knowing you had a, like, Olivia doesn't know she has a brother. And it's like, we, we came up with something we kind of really liked. Um, I had cerebral palsy in it. Which is not great in retrospect, but it was Indiana College and Indiana High School. Um, but it was very specific. Like, I didn't want to do a speech impediment. I didn't want to do, like, you know, any type of, like, I didn't want to do a vocal disability, really. And I didn't want to give a real mental disability to it. I wanted to give it to someone who, I wanted to be someone who just could not move. Understand? And yes. Then, and then our, and we really liked it. We thought it was really good. We took it to a tournament. We were getting pretty good scores with the exception that we weren't memorized yet, which is fine. Like, we expected to be marked down. We were just looking for feedback on the writing. However, since we were on, um, since we did not have it memorized, we were put on the B team, which meant that the professor, the, our head coach, Mr. Kelly, could judge us. And unfortunately, he did judge us. And he gave us the worst possible note. Cause, I know from him means we have to do it, which is, I think it'd be better if Danny was 
mentally disabled than physically disabled. I think this would be a stronger piece. And we're like, no, the whole point of this is that we're tired of seeing people do mental disabilities on 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 stage. We're so tired of it. And we did it once, we hated it, and then we're like, never again. And we just threw it out. We threw out the OP. We threw it out. So then I went back to Wonder. Because the thing with Wonder was, I did do a speech impediment in Wonder because his face is deformed. But he, you know, it's you've seen the movie, right? Or you know what the movie is, right? You don't know the movie? Yeah, I know what it's about. Okay. I haven't seen the movie. It's okay. It, it, like, the movie's fine. If you read the book, it's a good book. It's a good movie. And I read the book, so I like the movie. But I don't know if I'd ever recommend it to anyone who hasn't been in the book. Anyway. So, I started getting really, like, real on it last month. Partially because, um, a bit of drama went down between me and <laughs> the my main competitor who was at my own school. Um, but also because, you know, again, I just really did not want to be a loser. I didn't want to be the only person in my family not to qualify. Um, and at sectionals, I found out I got really good scores, but the issue was I went four minutes over time. So I did not qualify at state. So what we did the next week is I pra- I was in the speech room for s- four hours every afternoon, cutting it and reworking it and reworking it until it was finally like really good. And then and I was working with Mr. Kelly because as I said, Mr. Kelly was our head coach. He was really good. And he was like, Danny, you got to get, like, he kept on going the entire year. like, you have to be really real about this. And then in the last week, I finally did get real. And, like, anyway, I went into, I qualified for the final round at Districts. Um, I was told, and I, honestly, I blame the fact that I was told this. I was told going into the final round, I, I had only gotten ones and twos the whole day. So first or second place is the whole day. Um, which to me is good, because the thing is, is that I know... One person ahead of me is Justin, who, if you might remember from earlier in the Nice Speech and Debate Tales, is the person I did the Emperor's New Groove thing with. But that year, he did a, uh, he did a duo piece that was sweeping everywhere. So the fact was, he was going to go in his duo over his drama no matter what. So even if he won drama, all I needed to do was get third place, right? That was my only, like, thing in my mind. I was like, I have to get third place. Um, because if I get second, it doesn't matter if I get first or second if Justin's there. Because he's not, he doesn't count. He's just competing for fun, really. So, basically, I bomb my final round really bad. I go like three minutes over, um, and I miss qualifying. Out of how many? How many? How long are these pieces? It's supposed by to be the ten. Way? Ten minutes. Okay. Um, I bomb and I miss the spot by one spot, and I lose it to the person who I was having a ton of drama with at that time, and like I just broke down on stage. And it was really rough, really bad. And then, of course, also, because drama was going on, I had to eventually, like, actually go, like, be nice to the person who I was having drama with. Because otherwise, like, you know, people were like, wow, she took Danny's spot because she's a junior and, like, he's a senior. And it was like, coach was like, all right, Danny, like, we understand you're upset. You got to, like, still, like, congratulate her. I'm like, I will. And I, and I did. It's just, and I, again, I, I think... That whole drama is an entire different story that I don't want to get into right now because I definitely behaved wrongly in a lot of it. I think she behaved wrongly in a lot of it too. But also, we all forgave each other a long time ago, and it does not matter. She's married now with children. Um, so, um, all this to say, two weeks after I embarrassing failure, where I started entering a deep depression where I felt like I, I sucked and I was the worst person ever, I was told by the speech coach that even though I was a senior, I have to do an end of year project. <laughs> and I'm just like, excuse me? 
Why? <laughs> because I'm not going to be here next year. They're like, oh, well, we just want you to cut something. So that way uh, we have something for, like, someone who comes in next year. And I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I wrote Grind Nemo instead. <laughs> it arrived. How did that go? Uh, it went pretty well. Uh, everyone seemed to, like, at the end of it, every, like, student was laughing at it, but you could just see all of the teachers in the back just being like, ugh. Even, like, even, like, the younger teachers were just annoyed that I did this. But I was just like, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm a senior, and this is stupid that I was forced to do an extra assignment because I didn't qualify, and I'm in depression, I'm in a depression right now, so I don't care. I'm gonna write this bizarrely raunchy thing about Nemo becoming a stripper and like <laughs> flirting with Barbie who fell to the bottom of the ocean. I can't remember who my bad guy was. Uh, I, am pretty sure it was the like, it was like the Barbie and Ken from Toy Story 3 were a part of the plot pretty heavily in it. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it was a nice little stripper odyssey with, um, cocaine and stuff. You know, cool. like it was, uh, I should try to find it. I don't, I would probably be really buried in my drive or it would be on my old computer at my parents' house. But Ronnie Nemo, it, it exists and someday I will find it. You know, I'll just search my, I'll search very quickly my email address that I've had for, um, you know, mm. uh, since middle I'm school. I'm sad that it's not, I'm sad that you purposefully didn't write a two person scene because I would love to do a dramatic reading of Grinding Nemo. I mean, I'd, it was a lot of characters. Let me see mm -hmm. if I, I can find it. Uh, yeah, well, it is there's... in here from... Uh, from... Oh, no, there's a tweet about mine. Uh, is is this it? Is this it? I think I just found the document from an email from May 9, 2014. Let me find it. Uh, do we want to do a, a live dramatic reading? this podcast how long is it <laughs> or should we do or should that be like I'm, a bonus episode whenever we need a bonus episode <laughs> i think this is a bonus episode i don't know if oh i have uh, other stuff to talk about the if, film I, I i do have other stuff to talk about the film oh well we should probably try to do that i mean because i don't <laughs> I, I don't i don't like dislike exploring the reef with john michel Cousteau, but i do think that like me debating going into my it, speech in the very past is more interesting <laughs> well, no, not that. I, I just it's kind of more interesting to me. I don't want to say that it's I don't know. That my my favorite let's let's talk a little bit about the the DVD extra. Uh if you want to start, you can I do want to make I do want to check to see if this is the file. So keep you can start talking. Oh, well, I, I mean, I'm opening the file right now to see if it is uh, the file. I'm trying to get you to yes and me because I have nothing to say about it. I have stuff to I say, but I want to see what the file is. <laughs> My one thing that I like about it is that he says, oh, no, this would have never happened to Papa when he's upstaged by fish. I do have it. I have it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. This is exciting. I thought I lost this. Make me care about this short film. Hold on. I want to see how many pages this is. Am I in a is. depression? I don't know. Maybe it's because of Grinding Nemo. Now you're like, oh, my God, Danny, that was brilliant. I'm so entranced tranced by it's seven pages the potential of grinding nemo although really it's uh yeah it's it's really more like six pages because the first page is the outline do i want to read the uh outline <laughs> i can read the outline dramatically right now i want to do something can we read the outline at the end yeah sure Okay. Let's talk about so, the sh this, this reminds me of spongebob film. that is what the short reminds me of is spongebob yes I think SpongeBob is more based on 
the silent world, which this is also kind of based on. But I think SpongeBob would go back further than that. Because, I mean, they're both kind of doing the same thing. And SpongeBob, I think, is even earlier. SpongeBob is 1999. Yeah. And this is um 03, I believe, for the DVD, maybe 04. I didn't look when the DVD came out. I presume it came out in 03, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know if we'll see or not, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, well, it did come out in 03. It's, um, I that's presume it was because a I'm looking DVD. at Roger Gould's uh, IMDb page, and he's got some awards for the DVD, which came out in 2003. Good for him. Um, But yeah. Uh, okay. So this reminds me of Spongebob. Because of the not, I'm not talking really about like. I'm talking about more the live action um, animation combination, you know, and like how you know we have the French narrator here, and I understand that Jean Michel Cousteau is a real person, <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> the French narrator in SpongeBob is riffing off of Jacques Cousteau anyway, so it's kind of like, oh, all right, so it's kind of like time is a flat circle type of thing. Um, it's like poetry at rhymes. I love True Detective. I've never seen it. Um, nor have I seen that's the Star Wars. From. I know what it is. <laughs> I just wanted to be like that. I just wanted to be that play. I don't know what that is. Uh, I do know what it is. Uh, <laughs> but I just think it's um, you know, it's um, it's got like that weird SpongeBob again with like the the singing, like the dance number that's random, or even like the my name is Jean Michel Cousteau. Dun 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 dun. dun. Like always yeah, play. I think that's a good joke. Yeah, it's great just also because the characters react so well to it. I do I'll... think it's admirable having something like this on the DVD because there are so many things. This seems very familiar to me that there's something on the DVD that takes you to some website where you can learn more, and this is ends with the Ocean Futures website, which still exists, and you can learn about what's going on with that organization now. Still. I like it for that. It's nice that it can be that little bridge to that organization. Yeah. And it's hard I, to talk about as a film, though. Well, no, I also think it's very admirable how at the end of this short, it becomes serious, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that also, like, because I guess, again, I was a child in 03, but this is probably the first time I heard the word, the term global warming, if you think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because at that time, it's still political. And I think it's interesting to have that on the DVD of a Pixar movie. Just be like, yeah, global. And I, I, the, thing, uh, the reason I bring that up is because I feel like it, in a way, feels like a precursor to Wally. Because, obviously, that's Stanton's next movie. And Wally is incredibly obvious where it stands on environmental concerns. And then this is like, yeah, the environment's really important, y'all. And the, to be clear, to listeners, the environment is important, y'all. Uh <laughs> Yeah, Danny's like, I can't believe these leftists. <laughs> these leftists. And their environmental concerns. Propaganding like, from the children of 2003. I'm a leftist who was a child in 2003. Boom, boom, boom. I don't I know. Like I, I, I guess I, I don't really have too much pretty... to talk about it. I just like was like, oh, this reminds me of SpongeBob. And oh, this is, it's nice that it's serious at the end. Well, I'm... Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't want to not yes and that. It's just... Uh, um... I, it seems, on that note, I think that there are, I don't know, I don't see a lot of, like, anti-environmentalist movies. I can't think of many, you know? Like, even Princess Mononoke, which goes out of its way to be complicated, is 
it's still environmental. I mean, I'm pretty I sure if I Google, of... I'm pretty sure if I Googled conservative films and found I could like go through them very quickly and find one that's very like, no, the government needs to have this area to like to stop these hippies, you know? <laughs> like, I just don't think that anything is, is most most films aren't very political one way or another because they all rely on stereotypes. So even an environmental film will wow. feature you're like going after Avatar. hippie. Oh great! I, I, the first I'm thing definitely I, going after Avatar. The first thing I found was um, okay. Uh, should I should I click this? Ten conservative the the best conservative films of 2018 from the National Review. Should we look well, at this? You're 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 stealing my my <laughs> content, but yeah, I'm curious now. All right, so the number this will be from best to worst, okay? Or I guess from. Most conservative to least conservative. I'm definitely not going to... The thing was like, do you want to turn off your ad blocker to support us? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. Is that how it's organized? Most to least conservative? How could that well, even be? Well, it's like, these are 10 films that brought conservative concepts to the multiplex in 2018, ranked by conservative firepower. At number 10 is Mary Poppins Returns. Um, <laughs> number 9 is... What? It, Does it say Why? The film features a brief nod to liberal social justice movements in England, but the film's aesthetics are probably conservative. There's no attempt whatsoever to make this long aborting sequel contemporary hip or in touch with the fixations of today's youth. Hold on, wait, what? This movie, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, raps on a bike? They don't think it's like, they don't think they tried to appeal to the youth. They might have failed to, but they definitely tried. Uh, it's oh a children's gosh. movie for old people, which is... Okay, this is great. It's a children's movie for old people, which is only right because children should learn from the old rather than the other way around. Uh, as our critic cool. Sonny Bunch points out, oh no, as a Twitter someone on Twitter just points out, it defends the British old cast system by portraying the working class lamplighters and nannies as loyal allies to the upper class layabouts that employ them. Number nine is um the final year, which is an HBO movie. I'm gonna skip number eight for now because I'd like to come back yeah. to it. Because number eight you, is the reason. Yeah, you don't have to read all. Well, of, number all eight of is the reason I opened the article. Number fault. seven is Vox Lux. Number eight will blow your mind. It, well, Vox it's Lux it's also the, the picture Portman for the article. Movie? What? Isn't that the Natalie Portman movie? Yeah, I will say also, um, it's the number eight is the picture for the title, which is the clickbait. So, but yeah, number six Very was smart um, of you. Number six is the death of Stalin. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, 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 number five. Read, read that one. Okay. But you're going to want me to read number five, too, I guarantee you. This I haven't seen Death of Stalin. This comedy Death about... Death of Stalin is fantastic. This, I need to watch it, I know. This comedy about the jockeying for power after the death of the dictator didn't always work, but although it comes from the ardently left-wing Scottish writer-director Armando Iannucci, did I butcher his name or did I get it right? I mean, you got it as right as anything. It's one of, okay, this is dumb. It's one of only a handful of movies to ever explore the internal depravity and absurdity of the Soviet Union. It does have a devastating effect. So number five is funnier. Number five is first performed. Uh, <laughs> okay. N number four is Gosnell, the trial of America's biggest, this is a, um, this is a Dean Kane movie. Uh, so this is like a, this is Don't a conservative film. No, this is like, uh, like a, like, daily wire type of movie you know and so is number three which is called little pink house um 
But number two is the Halloween remake. And number one is Chappaquiddick. Mm. Ready for number eight? Yes. Number eight. Can you give a guess? I think if you're willing to guess, 2018? like 2018, I think you'll you'll be able to guess this because I said it was a it's a big one, <laughs> and it's it's obvious clickbait. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, that's when we were in school, so it's around American Sniper time. But I feel like that wouldn't obvious. be clickbait. People would be like, "Oh, whatever." Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say the first uh, Trolls movie. All right, I'm gonna just start reading the description. The new Black Panther movie is a rebuke of the old Black Panthers. As played by Chadwick Boseman, Ryan Coogler is terrifically entertaining and smart blockbuster. The titular superhero personifies a vision where black people work peacefully among others to uh, achieve mutual goals. It's the villain of the piece, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger, who advocates a sinister combination of African separatism and burnt down year one utopianism to chilling echoes of... I don't know what this is, and I don't want to say it because I feel like it might be racist. Uh... (laughs) So I'm not going to say what the last the ending of this is. Uh, and also, all this is from um, the National Review. I do not believe that. Surprise. I think Black Panther is actually... Danny went ahead, I do Danny think, went ahead and, and read the outline of Grinding Nemo. <laughs> I do think Black Panther does have weird politics, but I do not think... Uh, I think the, the ending of the movie makes it pretty clear that T'Challa realizes Killmonger is pretty... Like, his... You know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't be isolationist, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it has any weirder politics than any movie with a compelling villain, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of how those things are built. I just like that when I search conservative environment movies, uh, the two images that pop up... No, there's three images that pop up. One of them's Wally. One of them is T'Challa in Black Panther. And the other one is Juno. Oh, that's why this happened, because you searched for conservative environmental movies. Yeah, and the first thing that came up was Black Panther. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's see what this is. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's Speaking of that, it's honestly, I, you may not like that Tilda Swinton was your thing today, but it was almost... If you had heard that, almost, I would have liked it after. <laughs> I mean, that would have... I don't know. I might retire the game of lists and think of something new because what today almost was was the um was the NYT best actors list from the 20th 21st century which is I I don't know if no one actually cares but the the top number 1 was Denzel Washington. Good pick. Um I like yeah, Denzel. I, I think, think Denzel's that's... a great pick. Yeah. Well, I don't. There, there was a thoughtful comment that was a little like, "Oh, well, like his best." I think it's like his best stuff is kind of like past century. Um, he still tripped out like Fences and like Macbeth. Like they might not be great movies, but they're great performances. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I think like altogether, he's definitely like it for the for the institution of acting. He's he's hope, way up there. I hope the rumored PTA collab is real. That'd be very exciting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the the people that that list is is actually more of a like look around the world of great actors. So it's a great way to get recommendations <laughs> for like international movies based on good actors. But the internet was like not 
a fan of that because I definitely wanted to choose something which was arbitrary and then would be interesting. But in trying to find trivia about that list, it just took me to like angry conservative people about how diverse it was. I, I so, have to point out something that I just realized. This episode comes out the same day as Black Panther Wakanda Forever. <laughs> Black Panther Wakanda Forever. <laughs> and I'm going like, wow, these, these guys are crazy about the original one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, because I used to the whole thing where it's like, well, because I used to the whole thing about like, they, apparently it's a conservative film according to these conservatives. <laughs> well <Yeah. laughs> whatever yeah I don't, I'm probably not going to see it the day it comes out because it'll be full but I'll see it maybe I'm, I've got tickets on Thursday weekend. night with Julius so oh you're really so you're really going to see like are you seeing it in the crowd you think will be full of clappers or I hope not? so but I also like you know I, I like seeing Marvel movies where the people clap I remember when I saw No Way Home and actually, this, is a, this was a big debate on my other podcast where I talked about how great it was. And Tyler was like, I just find it so disrespectful that people clap during this movie. I just want to hear what they say. I'm like, I'm sorry. If Andrew Garfield enters your movie and then pauses for three seconds awkwardly, I think you are supposed to applaud. I don't think his lines matter. I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's that's I'm, I support you on that. That's kind of our old argument with Tyler is that. I, I think if I go to the theater, actually, this is so weird for me, but if I go to the theater, I actually want people to make noise. I'm yeah, sure when I saw um, previous episodes. Well, that's why I had a really great time at Malignant the other day. <laughs> at the beginning when they go like, it's time to cut out the cancer, the entire audience cheered. Actually, you've seen Malignant, right? Yeah. Well, guess the I moment. I don't know. I didn't like, well, okay, go Can on. Can you guess the moment that got the biggest cheers? It surprised me. I saw it once, and it didn't really click with me, so I don't know if I could, like... I don't hate it, I know, but I also was goofy. like... I just like other James Wan movies movies more. The um, moment... I get, do you want me just to tell you, or are you actually going to guess? I, love, I should watch Insidious tonight. <clears throat> what? What was the moment? It's when the um, woman falls through the roof of the house. Because <laughs> she's attached to an exhaust fan that's randomly in the attic. <laughs> Do you not oh, remember yeah. that? Honestly, that was going to be my guess is when they like find her in the ceiling. Oh, okay. Because I would, I would, I thought going into it, the biggest applause would have been. Although, okay, the second biggest applause was what I expected, which is the reveal of Gabriel, <laughs> where it was like, no, that's there too he obvious. Is. I knew it wasn't going to be that. I thought maybe maybe, also, maybe a, a clever second guess would be any time during the fight scenes, whenever they like learn to fight as Gabriel. Then they uh, well, that was but. like that was like a steady like rate, but it wasn't like a huge cheer, you know. Like it was people applauding throughout. It wasn't like mm -hmm. a big loud roar like it was at these two moments. Um, <laughs> also, people of course cheered. You could see, you could feel everyone in the audience like get on the edge of their seat where you hear the land character go like, "I just want to be connected to someone's bloodline," and then she goes, "What do you mean?" And you just feel everyone like lean forward. And then they hear the Sydney, "I'm adopted," and everyone just goes, "Yeah." Because <laughs> that's you know that's the big meme of the movie was like that was what it was like this is the moment everyone realized what this movie is because before that moment you're like is this bad and then as soon as that happens you're like oh okay like this movie is doing something weird got it <laughs> um Man, do I need to rewatch Malignant uh I yeah kind of don't want great. to without a crowd I mean yeah you mm -hmm. should probably but there's not gonna be a crowd for for another year probably 
And even then, you'd have to look really hard for it. Um, everything I was going to say about my malignant crowd very quickly is that there was one guy... So, the person who introduces the movie says, please don't make any commentary during this movie. And we got a trailer for their other Halloween programming. One of them is House of a uh, Thousand Corpses, which is there right now. This is, we're recording this on Halloween. They're showing it on 35mm tonight. And this guy goes at the end of the trailer, goes, that didn't look like 35mm to me. And you feel like this general sense of unease in the crowd. They're like, well, it was just a trailer. So no one's like bothered. And then like, there's that scene where he's with, at the very beginning of the movie where, well, not the very beginning, but like Madison is talking to her husband and her husband's like, maybe you need to stop getting pregnant, which is like the only funny line in that scene. Cause the rest of it is like serious domestic violence, but it opens with him going like, he's, she's like, I'm a little sick. And then he just goes, maybe you should stop getting pregnant. Um, and then I don't remember what happens. That, that uh, exa- was discouraged. I thought you went to a rowdy screening. No, no people laugh at that. I don't mind that. The thing was, is like, I can't remember what line the guy says, but it's like, he goes like, after like he actually beats her up a bit, he goes, you sicken me or like something like that. Or, and then he goes, this guy just goes, well, maybe you should stop getting her pregnant, dumbass. And then everyone in our, everyone in the front, including Sarah, just immediately turns to this guy, like the general direction of this guy just goes, dude, shut up. (laughs) And then later on, when Gabriel does the big fight, and froze the chair, and like they, they recover for a second. You just hear him go, "Justice served," and we're like, everyone just goes, "Shut up!" <laughs> like <laughs> we were not having this guy at all. <laughs> all this to say is that, that yes, I'm single, kind of forever opening night. I hope I can cheer at moments, um, and if I don't, I, if I don't cheer, I hope I cry because I, I do want to cry at that movie. Mm-hmm. So. We'll have to share our surprise cries from Wakanda forever. Yeah, maybe when we have a certain guest on, wink, wink, hope, hopium. <laughs> Let's have some hope. Hmm? Who would we have on? I'm not going to answer because it's in the dock and you can just look at it later. <laughs> and we don't need an answer. Well, right we now. don't have a guest for Wakanda forever. If we have a guest coming up that would be relevant to talk about Wakanda forever with. Um, but anyway... We don't have exploring the rape. I feel like we've been off it for a bit. I'm trying to I'm trying to find out who would be. Yeah, what would we give this movie? I would give it my SpongeBob set of season two. It's good mm-hmm. it's a good thing. I have a, a bag of French cheese that I got from a job recently. So I'd give it that bag of cheese. Oh wee wee. Uh, yeah, I didn't hate it. I I want to say this at the end. I didn't hate it. It's just not something that needs to live in my brain. I mean, yeah, it's anymore. like it's it's an educational video for children. Like, yeah, and it's got like enough funny moments to keep the kids engaged, but it is designed for education. Yeah. All right. Do you want me to read the uh, the grinding email outline? Time? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then we'll we'll say what we're doing next time. Sure. All right. Let me open this. Now, if at any point this has something embarrassing, I'll just tell you, cut the entire thing from the episode. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Cut cut to next week. (laughs) (laughs) The piece opens with Nemo pole dancing as he dances seductively. You know, before I start this, I will say I I don't expect anything controversial in this besides probably a bit of slut shaming. I feel like that is going to be pretty evident in anything that's from like a high schooler. So I apologize in advance for that, but also acknowledge that I have not opened this file for eight years. Um, This is from May 2014. 
Wow. The piece opens with Nemo pole dancing. As he dances seductively, he explains how he went through deep introspection at the age of 19, and he found himself having the best talent as a stripper. He got invi- involved at the Fish Not Friends... No, sorry. At the f- with the Friends Not Food strip club, where he grinds for a living. He spends his money on a nice reef he's renting, and also on his algae, his favorite substance to abuse, which he gets from his friend, Squirt. He gives all this nice exposition in the teaser, while dancing! Because Speech has a teaser where, like, I should see if I have the intro in this, but Speech has, like, a teaser where, like, you, you, you like, you know, you do, like, it's like a cold open, and then you say, this is what the piece is about afterwards. Uh, I'm very curious if I have the intro somewhere. It does not look like it's here, but I hope I have it in my email otherwise. Because <laughs> it's like, it's always like something where it's like very serious. Where it's like, I'd probably be like, Magic Mike was the biggest film of last summer. Like very serious. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> this is what happens when you combine it with the biggest film of 2003 of summer. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, after the teaser, he heads to the bar and he meets the new bartender, Barbie. They shoot the reef a bit where Barbie says she really liked Nemo's dance. Nemo thanks her and asks her what she's doing down here. <laughs> That's it. That's Garning Nemo. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't even I don't know. I might have to I might have to listen to this during editing and think about what's just bleep the entire like alright, so here's not. the ending. It's so long. <laughs> I can think of several writers. I'll tell you what, it sounds like a screenplay that we would have written. But you know what it isn't? All caps. It's not in all caps. (laughs) Were you not in the class for that? There's a class where. um, What was in all caps that we were It was the last day, and we're all waiting for us to, like. Well, it was not a day. It was, like, the last day of a certain stage of a project, and we were all waiting to read this one person's. No, it was the final project. And we were all waiting to read this person, and then the professor dismissed us, like, with 30 minutes left. And then we're like, huh, that's weird. And then we heard the professor walk up very quietly to the person. And this person had been bad. This this classmate had not written good stuff and had not, like, taken feedback the entire semester. And the professor just goes, this is giving me, I'm going to impression. I've taken a lot from you this semester. And <laughs> Mark knows immediately who I am. Um, <laughs> I just I wasn't expecting it to be good. <laughs> And, it was like know, this. All right, go on. Home and take every student in their own time. However, I cannot accept a final project in all caps. <laughs> That's now I get it. Yeah, I don't. Well, maybe I missed. All right, that we explored part the reef of Jean Mochel. We explored the reef and most, yeah. mostly mostly right. other things too. Great. What are we doing next Jean week, Danny? Next week, we'll go on a detour. Boys Night Out. This is a short film that I believe... Not, I didn't load up what it is. But it's by Teddy Newton, partially. And Teddy Newton goes on to direct the Day or Night short. Um, which, I don't know if you remember or not, but that's a big short film for Pixar. I believe it won the Oscar for them. He also becomes, like, a pretty steady, like, animator at Pixar who does voices in the movie. Like, scratch voices in the movie they leave in the movie. This is a short okay. film before he started his time as Pixar. Au revoir. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf, and each episode is edited by me, 
If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, lookingfortheoceanpixar.podbean.com. If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. If you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on Letterboxd at Blankman's. If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history. We'll see you next time. See you next time.